Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, energized life that totally rocks. You're listening to Straight Talking Natural Health, a no BS podcast for busy women who want to ditch the fatigue, find balance and feel great with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. Today's guest is a very dear friend of mine. In fact, I have no idea why she hasn't been on the podcast sooner. She is a naturopath, a business mentor, a trailblazer, a risk taker, a rule breaker, and a leader in our industry. She is loved and respected by literally thousands of naturopaths and nutritionists who look up to her for guidance, support, and inspiration. And guess what? She's also an author and has written a brand new book called Unrestricted, A Modern Guide to Doing Business and Life Differently. It's the essential handbook for driven entrepreneurs who want to make a real difference in the world without sacrificing the things they value most. Yep, she doesn't just help health practitioners, but also change makers and driven humans of all kinds. So let's pick her beautiful brain today about all things mindset and life. Please welcome to the show, the wonderful Tammy Guest. What a lovely intro. Thanks, Jules. Hello, friend. It's so good to have you on the podcast finally. Why haven't we done this before? Yeah, like you said, why not? This is yeah, this is very exciting. It's it's like having dessert after you've had all the other things to eat, I think, really. Like you are you are the dessert on this podcast, my love. Oh, that sounds delicious. So beautiful one. I know it's been a long and winding road to get here. So for everyone out there, tell us a little bit about your evolution because, oh my Lord, like I was reading through this the other day and even I kind of had forgotten half the stuff that you've done, like cancer researcher, pathology nerd, practitioner, clinic owner, and and now this latest evolution of Tammy. So yeah, how how did all of this happen? Mm, Yeah, well... Goodness, it has been a bit of a up and down roller coaster. I did start my career uh, in health in cancer research, and I was so excited about the human body and trying to understand it and get curious about it that I thought research was going to be the place to be. And uh, I really wanted to make an impact. I mean, curing cancer sounds awesome, right? Mm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, the real day-to-day for laboratory researchers is a little bit different to what I do now. (laughs) And seeing so many test tubes and seeing um, such a tiny, tiny thing we were working on, we were working on a tiny protein on top of um, a, a cell line, a random cell line that had to do with one particular type of cancer that had to do, uh, it was just so minute that I didn't feel that impact at all, really. And uh, I decided that I would travel the world. I thought, well, if cancer research doesn't give me what I want from a career, it will give me the impetus to (laughs) go around the world. So I uh, did what we all did back in the day, pre-pandemic times. We had those two years of wonderful working holiday visas wild and free days (laughs) yes (laughs) and um over there I retrained in pathology and I worked in quite a number of the really large hospitals over in London and Bristol and um when I came back I realized that I had lots of skills that I didn't have before 
and I wanted to apply them to my local area. And the only job that was available was full-time night shift. And I thought, well, maybe this is for me. You know, I get to do everything in full-time night shift because there isn't a full team. So it means that I get the request and then I go and I meet the um, patient and then I take their blood, you know, venous section is a and venipuncture is a really interesting thing to do with people. And then I test it and then I get it in a timely fashion to the doctor. And, um, you know, I'm part of the whole process. And if anyone needs a blood cross match, I can do that. Anyone needs coagulation studies, microbiology studies, all the way across the whole gamut. And I love a bit of a variety. So that really flo- floated my boat for about a month. And- <laughs> 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 but the, the full time 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., is made for certain people. And again, I just don't think it was made for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was around about this time that I met a lovely lady at about two o'clock in the morning who was very lonely and um, wasn't too keen on being woken up at two o'clock in the morning. And I knew the second I saw her, I knew that her bloods would come back um, in a state that I would have to go and see her in another three hours to get, take some more. And I held her hand and noticed that she had some signs and symptoms, even though I wasn't trained in it per se then, she had some signs and symptoms of clear malnutrition. There was different types of vitamins and nutrients that I could, I could tell she was low in. And I couldn't do anything about it as somebody who was just taking her blood and sending the bloods off to the doctor. But I could sit there and talk to her for a little while and talk to her about a family, talk to her about that kind of stuff. And then uh, I took a blood, sure enough, had to go back, you know, quarter to five in the morning, wake her up again. And she was just so exhausted. And uh, it wasn't going to change a diagnosis. And a couple of days later, I had to go and collect her blood on ICU. And a couple of days after that, she wasn't in the bed anymore. So there was something I felt like I could do, but I felt like I was restricted in what I could do because of the role I needed to play then. And uh, so I retrained as a naturopath. As you do. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) because I saw that nutrition was part of it and I saw that, you know, lifestyle and connection and this, you know, her connection to her family was a really important thing for her and she didn't have that it's even more acute and obvious now that we've all lived through a pandemic but back then um i i could see that isolation wasn't good for her either and so retraining as a naturopath was um awesome i love being at uni again and doing all that kind of stuff and then i came out and thought okay i'm gonna take over the world this is awesome i've got all this information (laughs) and i already knew heaps about the human body this is amazing bring it on. I'm just going to fix everybody, which by the way, is a terrible thing. Terrible term, terrible term. But yes, that's exactly what we all think when but we're coming out. Of that's the, it. My, yeah. my beautiful ego was very excited to, you know, mechanic these human bodies around. And um, the little issue was that I opened up my doors and no bodies came in to fix. And then about a month later, there were still no bodies in there to fix. And I was like, what's going on? I I know all this stuff. I I should just be able to help people now. And so I began my 
uh, new learning into the small business and entrepreneurial world. And uh, I really love learning about business. I love learning about uh, human mind and how we make choices about the things that we value. And I love being able to tell stories. And there's some really unique things about running your own business that nobody told me when I was becoming a naturopath. And learning it uh, kind of rolled into uh, at my five-year mark as a naturopath seeing 45 to 50 clients a week, running a multimodality practice, having an online course, um, running retreats overseas and a whole bunch of other things. And then I was starting to see students coming through because not a lot of naturopaths are mentors for students or give them time and placements. But my entire time I had a student in my clinic listening and learning and really kept me on, on the ball about the latest and greatest and things I needed to know and being able to explain things easily. And uh, I really loved being part of the ecosystem of the practitioner world. And I, they were asking a lot of questions about business. And I thought, this is, this is silly. Why, why don't, don't all practitioners do this? And these people were saying that they were visiting practitioners who were only seeing one person a week or, you know, and I just thought, how, how does anyone, how does that happen? There's, it took me a little bit to learn small business, but it wasn't a lot, you know, and I, I really wanted to make sure that there was more practitioners out there because I was getting burnt out seeing so many people a week. I would love if people could come and see a bunch more people so I didn't have to see so many. It's, oh. And it was kind of an epiphany in that, I could help exponential numbers of people by helping exponential numbers of practitioners. Because if I had seen 7,000 clients through my doors in the five years, then they could see 7,000. And then if I could help 7,000 of them, then in actual fact, that's like four point something million people that could be <laughs> helped by natural health. And I just think, wow, what an opportunity. Yeah. So I, I pivoted. And I, um, I started teaching natural health practitioners how to run their businesses. And it grew and grew. And my love of uh, creating events and, and massive experiences in four different countries and conferences of up to 300 people. Uh, and I learned to fly a helicopter in the meantime because I wanted some <laughs> downtime away from the things that my brain was attached to. <laughs> uh, um, and I love that yeah. you think flying a helicopter is actual downtime. I love that. I think that's pretty much sums you up lady. (laughs) (laughs) It's beautiful. And now I hop up on stages. I talk, I speak. I, yes, I do write a book and I really love connecting with people in really amazing places and spaces and seeing what else they can create because I had no idea how far all this could take me. Hmm. So tell me, what is i'm interested i'm very curious to know what you think the state of affairs is currently in terms of the naturopaths and nutritionists that are being churned out of the colleges and universities now like when you and i went through because when did you graduate because i graduated like i finished in 2005 right so i was i was out the door at the end of 2005 and you were yeah Oh, seven. Yeah. So very, we, we graduated very, very close in time to each other. And I know that back when we went through college, like it, 
we had like maybe a one hour lecture on business and it mm-hmm. was literally what all I remember from that is the lecturer telling us to create business cards and to create flyers and do letterbox drops. That's That was the training that we got taught. And so I understand that the background that you and I both come from, like no one, no one learned anything about online business at college and we certainly, like we certainly didn't get taught marketing like the the ins and outs and the psychology and the marketing and certainly no mindset as well as to how to you know how to have the correct mindset to go into business but is it is it the case that this is still happening or are people going through colleges now having a different experience to what we had like or is it just instead of being told letterbox drops they're being told to do an instagram account and like (laughs) you'll be a naturopath Well, I still think there is a lot missing, but you know, I am biased because this is my life now and I can't not see it. Um, I, uh, my experience was an accountant coming in and putting a Excel spreadsheet up on the overhead projector and (laughs) (laughs) at which point my brain would already check out. Yes. Sorry. Continue. Many in the natural health world are exactly the same. You know, we're just not conditioned to to think that Excel spreadsheets have any purpose whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and, and it was for an hour and it was part of uh, a larger six months worth of, um, of a subject. Now there is a specific business topic uh, at the end. So, that is, so it's, you know, it's, it is a whole six-month semester orientated topic. But... It, yeah, but there is only I I I've been part of a couple of different boards for some of the colleges and um, trying to get it across the line to get the degree qualification for um, some of these uh, some of these colleges and there are so many hoops that they have to jump through to meet criteria and objectives and um, you know government legislated levels of understanding and things like that, that it's really difficult to get the type of training in a semester that's up to date by the time you get it. Because, you know, you and I know Reels wasn't even around last year. So Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and so things move fast. Things move yeah. really fast in the online business world. Yeah. And, but, I think the thing that um, that we have got control over, so we don't necessarily have control over that, uh, and I do think it does still need a shake-up and uh, up-to-datedness that is a little bit more relevant for the people who are coming out now. Uh, but I think the things that we can control is when people get out, we do give them the resources to find the information that they need, good quality information that's practitioner-specific, that uh, is helpful and positive and not a poo-hoo, my business didn't work well, so I'll just teach you what I do very well kind of stuff, <laughs> which is what, which is also what I experienced at, at, um, at my qualification as well. Yeah, yeah. And then you don't just teach people business as well. You weave through this whole psychology and mindset stuff that is, it, it's a diff, it's it's a different way of looking at things because you can teach someone marketing to the cows come home but if they don't have the mindset to implement what they've learned well it's mm. it's not going to wash is it 
Absolutely. And, you know, many of us have a manual for our car, but we've never read it. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Not until something goes wrong. Exactly. Not until something goes wrong. And there isn't a self-motivation to actually get that done. And similarly with business, you know, technically you could Google it all, but do you? No, there isn't until something goes wrong that you reach out generally to trusted advisors and friends, uh, especially in in the practitioner ecosystem and and network. And then you find some type of level of answer and then you you seek out some more advice either on Google or through programs and and courses. So uh, there's something about the impetus, the internal or external motivators that get us to change in the same way that when we're uh, practitioners, we often think about our clients and our clients' um, uh, ability to change, you know, where they are on the on their journey of change, whether they're, you know, pre-contemplative, contemplative, whether they're actually in action mode. In certain parts they might be, in others they'll fall back. And it's the same kind of thing with us as business owners. There's areas in which we're like really motivated. We'll take it, you know, I've, I've seen some awesome practitioners up on um, Instagram reels and sharing their wisdom on TikTok and things like that in really creative yeah. ways. Yeah. Um, but they may be having real trouble um, putting together, you know, a logical sequence for their initial consultations and follow-ups. Whereas people who are nailing initial consultations and follow-ups may not have the um, marketing know-how or the, you know, the motivation to even try Instagram and things like that. Yeah. So I, I think we've got the opportunity to come at um, the mindset that we can change. We have the opportunity to reach more people and help more people by choosing to change. And um, we can do that in uh, different seasons and do it in ways that uh, feel really good for us, for where we're at, because everyone's different. Um, I think different practitioners, um, different things float your boat at different yeah. times. So it's nice to be able to embrace all of those things as they come up. Yeah. I also think what one of the things that, that you teach, that, that both of us teach to people because we've both done it ourselves, but I think one of the things that you really nail home um, is the isn't a nail home is not even a term is it drive home yeah 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 <laughs> we I'm doing you what you're talking we're, about I, we all know but one of the things that I think you do nail is that teaching practitioners that one-on-ones are not the only source of income and that the that you can diversify your offerings and yeah, I hate the term passive income. I bloody hate it because there's really not that much passive about it, especially when you're in startup mode. But, you know, income coming in from other sources that isn't just exchanging an hour of your time for money. So where did that come from with you? Because, you you know, you were seeing so many clients in a one-on-one setting as a practitioner. Like you were almost like a, like you, you, you're a product of your own success. Mm. Did that like really burn you out? Like, is that why you started looking at these other business models? Yes. And so, yes, definitely I got burnt out a couple of times and I even wrote a book on that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, um, but the other thing that goes with that is 
I'm also very multi-passionate. I've always had an interest in multiple things at once. And the, when you are multi-passionate, you do have a tendency to look towards things that could go from good to great, or you also look at new and different ways. So I'm also a bit of an early adopter. So when new ideas come through, I want to, you know, my science days, <laughs> I want to run an experiment and see if it works. And um, I think there's something about having the confidence of having a science backing that, yeah, sometimes hypotheses, they, they just don't work out. And that's exactly what you have to publish, that it didn't work out. And that's part of the lessons for all that, you know, if your experiment didn't go to the hypothesis, you, you still publish that paper and people learn from that and don't have to do that again and slightly change one other parameter. And then all of a sudden we've got a, a really valuable new cure for something or some other thing. There's something about running experiments that I don't think a lot of us are taught uh, and a lot of us don't have the confidence to do. And so when it comes to running experiments in your business, I was gangbusters for all of it. I was there doing webinars and downloadables and um, <laughs> gosh, tele-seminars when they were called tele-seminars. And I was inviting my friends on before podcasts existed. And I was doing all sorts of just experiments to see what worked, what didn't work and what in that process could I take from good to great. So where is yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's there's also something about the way we used to do business and used to work, and I know from my time in hospitals especially, is you work to have a life. But because of the internet, because of the way that, you know, gosh, the past two years, if it didn't give you an example of the opportunities that are available to work from anywhere, then I don't know what's going to slap you in the face. Like it is so, there's so many platforms, so many processes, so many automations and things that can support your business uh, that your life is led and your work is built around it rather than you working and then fitting a life around it. And I've just got a, a three-day um, retreat, my unrestricted retreat, and we were talking about that. You know, what do you ge genuinely want for your life? What can make you show up as the best version of you possible for your clients so they get the best outcomes because they're getting the best of you? And I think our clients would love that too. You know, I've, I've got practitioners um, that I see, and I would much rather them show up in their 100% on it, awesomeness selves, ready to go full to the brim emotionally, mentally, and physically so that, you know, the best outcomes for everybody. I think that there is an opportunity there that we weren't told about as um, student practitioners that you can do it however you want. And I've seen so many different ways and I know that there are so many different ways I don't even know yet because of the technology that's out there now. Uh, and it can support the lifestyle that you want rather than the other way around. Yeah. I think a lot of this, a lot, a, a lot of the, the innovation and the experimentation that, that some naturopaths have done in terms of like diversifying their practice, like they were doing it because they were getting burnt out doing their current business model. So it's, it's, it's one of those things though, where we sometimes don't, 
change until we've really fried our chips a little because yeah we just go 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 and then we're like oh I'm really burnt out now shit I've probably should have done something about this six months ago so how did you know you were burnt out did you heed the warnings or did you wait till you were smacked around the head by the universe hitting you with a bit of 4b2 um how how many messages did your body have to send you before you realized that something had to give Mm, i had i had definitely had i wrote about in my last book the the feather the brick and the back truck moment you know first the feather tickles you and you're like oh yeah every fine flip it off and then a brick kind of hits you in the face like having to have antibiotics for the third time, even though you're a naturopath because you've got tonsillitis on the back end of a retreat three times in a row. Um, <laughs> because yep. you ignored the first two bricks, so the third brick came. <laughs> uh, and then I I noticed I was giving, a, you know, and all of us practitioners know, when we are the ones doling out the same advice over and over and over again, I guarantee you that message is for you. If yes. it's the same piece of advice you're telling every single person who walks in the door, it's because you haven't heard it. <laughs> is that like when I had like 10 SIBO clients in a row and I was like, why is it SIBO week? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> or 10 people exactly. in a row with like dodgy iron levels. And I'm like, I just send myself for an iron test tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. And there was only so many times I could describe a classic cortisol fatigue pattern to my clients. Oh, <laughs> <before laughs> the irony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds like me, actually. <laughs> yeah, you remind me of me. Oh, that's okay. I'll just push through. Wait mm. a minute. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, thankfully I didn't have a Mack truck and, um, and a Mack truck is the thing that en- ends you up lying you flat but I know many clients uh, or many of my mentees the people that I help through my um, mentoring for practitioners I know that they have had a challenge over the past two years whether it was with COVID and now long COVID or um, something random's come up for them to have to look after or care for um, someone in their family there's these times when there is something that just nothing but lying flat will fix it yeah And uh, I didn't have to get to that point, but I did have a point where uh, I noticed how much I was doing that was outside of my natural flow and my gifts and my talents. And it had me crying, that that full body crying and sobbing that you just can't control Uh, one morning when uh, a strange series of events happened. I, I actually wrote about it in my book. A strange series of events happened when I I was selling my practice. And to sell a practice is a really a lot more detailed than I expected it to be. And, again, nobody tells you these types of things, but um, it involves lawyers and multiple pages of forms, which are not my jam. I hate forms. Um, <laughs> They're right up there with spreadsheets. Exactly. And then a bunch of spreadsheets all printed out and, you know, meetings with people who are talking a different language to you and lots and lots of these um, finer details on one side of your brain, whereas you are sitting there in empath mode with your clients on the other side of your brain. Um, and it's a, it takes an interesting skill set to be able to, to balance those. And I, I was really out of balance and I was getting burnt out because of that. 
and I found that I had forgotten to pay my registration in my car. And it was one afternoon and I thought, that that's, can't be right. Oh, no, yeah, with all of these other things going on that I had to pull together, I had forgotten that. So I stopped at the mechanic on the way home, got the, the thing I needed from the pink slip, and then I tried to register it online and it just wouldn't go through. I was like, that's not right. Everything's there. It should do its thing. And I thought, oh, maybe it's just me. You know, when you get yourself all flustered and, oh, I'll sleep on it and I'll do it in the morning before I take the three kids to school in the three different schools that they go to over three different areas of the region that I, <laughs> I, I live in. After I've made their three different lunches and their three different breakfasts and I'm going to go and have a full day at clinic. Yes, this is, there's yes. nothing wrong with this. This is fine, fine, fine. It's all fine. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> sure enough, I get back on and the the payment just wouldn't go through. It didn't matter what I tried. I tried multiple different things to do it and it just wouldn't go through. My husband was away at the time and, uh, you know, it's one of those things that sometimes I defer to him because I don't like online form. But no, no none of that. And I thought, okay, well, I'll take the kids because I can't not drop the kids off and then I'll go straight to a, um, you know, an actual person and get it all done there. I dropped the first one off. I'm seeing all these police cars everywhere. I drop the second one off and as I turn around, this police car has its lights on, comes and pulls me over. <laughs> she said, oh, do you know what you did wrong? I said, oh, um, yes, actually. I, I, I'm dropping my kids off and I'm going straight to. She said, so you knowingly left the house with an unregistered vehicle this morning with your children in the car? Yep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because I had I had the weight of the sale, I had the weight of multiple practitioners at my clinic going through the change, I had the weight of all of these um, these meetings and all this other stuff, I just cried. She handed me a, a, um, a bill, a, a, a fine, and I thought, how, how does somebody this successful who's selling the practice, and I must be a total failure as a mum, as a practitioner, as a business owner, as everything that I have ever done, I am a total failure. That's all my beautiful brain was saying. And um, I even had to call my mother-in-law to take my kids to school because uh, I wasn't allowed to drive the car anywhere. <laughs> so I took my sobbing self to the beach, hoping that it would pass, and it just didn't. And uh, I started to get really worried. What if I, not only am I a failure at all these things, what if I'm a failure at being a human being and I'm broken now? Yep. <laughs> the amazing stuff that goes through our beautiful minds, our human minds are so clever at running little programs. And so it was doing that. And somewhere in the darkness of all these thoughts and all this sobbing, it did do one little light for me. And, it, and all of a sudden, a quote from Dr. Zeus came into my head You have feet in your shoes and you can go wherever you choose. And I looked down at these red boots that I started my entire naturopathic career with. They were from the day I moved into my big multimodality clinic and I, they were like, they were the, the signal for me that I had made it, these red boots. <laughs> I looked down at those same red boots and thought, oh my goodness, I have skills and talents that I have used to create this business. I have brought on nine different practitioners. I've got all these platforms and processes. I've got I've had 7,000 people at my clinic. My kids love me. This is a blip 
I can do all of this and I can take it wherever I want. And um, there was a turning point for me around burnout in that moment that saw me thinking, if I've got all of these skills and talents from all of these past areas of my life, I can choose something different. And I see that all the time with practitioners who are stuck in one-on-one and, um, you know, the initial and follow-up kind of scenario. They have all these skills and talents from their jobs prior to becoming a practitioner. They have all these skills and talents of uh, presenting or uh, speaking or recording meditations or creating artworks or writing and articles and things like that. There's all these other little skills and talents that they haven't thought about packaging up to also create um, really trusted advisor level information that can really change people's lives. And uh, that's what I ended up turning around and doing. So how do you convince these practitioners to make these changes before they hit burnout? Because we're a stubborn bunch. We are, but we just don't see a lot of stories that show us that it's possible. And I think that's more important. Um, it's not convincing. It's showing that it's possible and that they can do it too. Um, you know, you <laughs> are, are a shining light on it, uh, oh, on thanks. the fact that you can um, explore different avenues, you can change to suit your lifestyle, you can do the thing that floats your boat uh, for a few years and then bring it to completion and then you can create something new. Even uh, with the new podcast format, um, can, you know, with your old podcast, there's seasons that you can follow and there's this intuition to be able to move through and change it up and freshen things up and, and do the thing that's in alignment to you. And you doing it in public makes it so much more available and accessible to every other practitioner to be able to do that. I think that's one of the things that we wanted to showcase when we were doing the entrepreneur experience that it's just so many opportunities to change it up and you don't have to be in burnout to change it up. You can just do it because you choose it. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's even more good stuff on the horizon. Like where do you think things are going like how in the next few years do you think we'll be reaching and helping more people especially online yeah the online world has created an opportunity to reach so many people you're not just local you are um, national and for a lot of people we're global now and that means billions of people have access to information The unfortunate thing is uh, chronic conditions, and if you just looked at the most recent statistical census data that came out this um, past month, you will see that chronic conditions are on the rise and even through the pandemic. Uh, So we have a really important role to play and uh, in information and knowledge sharing um, and from a very qualified place. And we have the ability to do that in a very um, accessible, very um, cheap way of doing it through whether it's social media, whether it's through courses, platforms, um, whether it's through programs. Memberships are fantastic at the moment. Memberships are such a great place to connect with your clients and build a relationship with them and 
you know, some of my favorite relationships when I was running my clinic were taking people from people who were told they were infertile to through the whole process of falling pregnant to birth to then figuring out what to do with their food and then for mum to figure out her hormones and then, you know, the whole family comes in. I think there's something about memberships in particular at the moment that um, create a bond and a relationship that allows you to give that qualified advice to your um, clients on on mass, you know, huge group, one-to-many kind of scenario. So I really like memberships at the moment. I think courses, I think everyone should have a course. I know that every practitioner I've ever met, if I ask them the right questions, they know something that they didn't even know that they knew that they love talking about all the time, that they would end up at barbecues or dinner parties talking about it. And it, and they are so well experienced in it, so well qualified to talk about it, yet they just take it for granted that nobody else knows it. So creating a course is a really great way of doing that. I think um, short, sharp, sharp webinars and the creativity that we now are seeing through Reels and TikTok, I love that. Why not make health more palatable for people? Why not make it funny in a world that is just so serious at the moment? Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited about the online world for for prackies. Yeah, there's so much good stuff out there. And you don't just help prackies anymore, do you? You help no. a much wider audience. I do. Um, so I help coaches and um, consultants and creatives and a lot of freelancers. Um, I even help people who have their Airbnbs and cafes and things like that as well. And um, But they're all service-based businesses. And I do really enjoy getting to the bottom of um, what's happening for somebody in their life first to then build their business around it. I think it's a really important thing to know where you would like to go. Just like when I fly a helicopter, I need to, a flight plan to know where I need to go. Have those kind of things in mind, a clear vision for where you're going to land and then see what the weather and the prevailing weather brings along, along the way. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoy talking to all sorts of people about their businesses and their lives. Yeah. yeah, I love that because I literally have a helipad on my property and I know that makes me sound like some rich heiress to an oil tycoon <laughs> or something, but it's, it's not actually that. It's the, the people who owned the house before us. He's a helicopter pilot. <laughs> and so he built a spot to land the helicopter when he had the work helicopter for the weekend. <laughs> I love that. But it's a a beautiful spot on our property. You'll love it. It's, you know, he's like they've actually done a bit of earth moving and made this helipad and it's hilarious because when we go out somewhere, um, like we're we're looking at doing a bit of landscaping and we want to make that the feature, like that's where we're going to put another fire pit and make it really pretty because it's a circle, right? Um, And, you know, if we're out somewhere in public and we go, oh, yeah, we should do that for the helipad, and then we look at each other and we're like, oh, what do we sound like? (laughs) But it it is, it's true, like the the spot where he put the helipad was like the clear spot where to land. Like I love that analogy because you have to have a really clear vision not only of where you're going but where you want to land because there's Mm. we've got a lot of trees on our property. And there weren't mm-hmm. many spots that you could actually put a helipad and you've got to be so crystal clear at our place where you're going to drop yeah. that. And he's a good pilot too. Jesus good. Because <laughs> yeah, we do, we actually know these people, they're friends of ours now. And um, 
but yeah, you, you have to be extremely clear about how you're going to approach that landing and then land. So yeah, mm. I, I love mm. that analogy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so when, you know, not just practitioners, but you know, all these other people that you now work with and serve as well, like in terms of what's stopping people from reaching their full potential and what's stopping people from having the success that they want, what are the, what are the blocks? Like what are the common threads that you see that aren't specific to our naturopathic industry but just to, you know, common amongst humans? Yes, us humans forget that we are full of skills and talents that um, because it's like a fish swimming in water and they can't tell it's water, you know, um, or a nose that smells itself type of situation. You can't, <laughs> you can't do that because a nose is a nose and it smells and it smells. Just the same as often it takes somebody else to point out what we are good at, what we're great at talking about, what we're passionate about because we're just in it. And um, humans aren't great at remembering their awesomeness. Uh, and in not remembering their awesomeness, we get ourselves into a beautiful comparisonitis spiral of Instagram. And instead of creating content, we consume the content and, <laughs> and then we don't appear and then our clients don't see us. And then we have little issues with that. So not only is there, we forget our awesomeness, we then compare ourselves to people who aren't even in our lane. You know, you have, you're in a human race, which means you have your own lane. You're not actually racing against anybody else. There is nothing there that isn't yours already in that lane. So there's no, you know, grass is greener kind of scenario. You have a lane and you need to own that lane. So I often see that as well. And um, we have uh, an ability to forget that if you have manifested an amazing person in your life, if you've manifested uh, I think Abraham Hicks talks about it. If you've manifested a paperclip, you can manifest a mansion. You know, we often talk about moments that we go, oh, wow, I really wished for this and now it's here. And we've all had lives that we wished for. Our younger selves would be so proud of stuff that we have done, but it's so easy to forget. Uh, I love sending people to go and look in their photo albums of their phones and actually remember some of the moments you bothered to capture on uh, on record as a, as a photo, because we are so quick to forget. Um, and it's so easy for us to focus on the not so great stuff because we're pummeled with that, especially now post pandemic times. Uh, and probably the last one is that we don't have to do it alone. We think we've got to do it all, do it all, do it all now, all by ourselves with our octopus arms. And what do you know? We've only got two arms and one brain and so we think we've got to go and do everything now and do it all ourselves but in actual fact there's a whole gamut of people out there that are probably better at those things than you are even though your brain tells you not and they are willing to help you and we're all willing to help one another and I think there's something about um, being collaborative and being in community that we we tend to forget as humans as well yeah and I do think there's a real movement in the naturopathic community at the moment, like going back to being more collaborative and community focused. And I really hope I'm right, but I really feel 
maybe it's just the people I'm hanging out with, but I really feel like there's a shift back to collaborating and helping each other rather than being in competition with each other. And I feel like the old guard of, you know, business people in our industry who were quite competitive, I feel like they're like a bit of a dying breed, shall we say? I agree. It's becoming less relevant. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I feel like there's... I feel like there has been a paradigm shift in that. And, and that was one of my things when I was getting into mentoring. I was like, if, I, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. Um, I need a paradigm shift. I want to evidence to, of success is a paradigm shift in our profession where there's collaboration over competition and that we all feel safe to talk about money and business in ways that we haven't before. And I, I truly believe that we have had that. And, and now there's a beautiful wave of, um, other practitioners doing the same and sharing the message too through their amazing podcasts and <laughs> and and on and on stages and on networks online and all sorts of other places. I really feel that shift as well, Jules. Yeah, good, good. I hope we're right. I really do. I think we're mm. right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. If if someone is listening to this and they are in the throes of burnout, but they can't see their way out yet like I know that a lot of people when they're right just before they get hit with the the brick or the Mack truck Mm. they 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 talk themselves into a place and I know I've done it as well where they're like I can't diversify I can't go on adventures I can't try new things because I've just got to grind this job out and keep doing what I'm doing because otherwise financially I'm going to take a hit. Like mm-hmm. they, they, people do get really stuck and it's not just practitioners. Like this is life. This is people in life. Yeah. What do you say to someone who's in that spot? We all have 168 hours in a week. And if you can't find one of them, just one to look after yourself, it needs to be your mission to find one hour that you're doing something you enjoy. And it is way easier said than done, but it is a very noble mission. And it was the beginnings of me getting out of burnout multiple times to try something that I really enjoyed when I was a kid that actually felt joy again, because I'd forgotten and burnout sucks that dry from you. The other thing burnout does is, gets you under the guise that in actual, you know, you think that there is only work and home. There isn't anything in between. And Ariana Huffington uh, in her book Thrive talks about the third space, having something that takes your brain away from the challenges and celebrations of work and the challenges and celebrations of home, that there's something else to be thinking about and feeling about and being present to. And so I remember trying Gosh, I remember trying to get to an art class for about six months. But like I said, it's a noble mission because when <laughs> it does come through, it, it's incredible, the feeling, and you have to experience it to understand. And once you've got that little tiny understanding of what that freedom feels like and that experience of not work, not home again, then all of a sudden something shifts in you that you start to look for more of it. And uh, and then I tried rock climbing. That was not for me, but I managed to get there after three months that time. So it took three months to me actually get there. And after rock climbing wasn't for me, it was literally the next day that I went, okay, I'm going to ring the roller derby place. 
And yeah, I ended up doing roller derby for two years because I stood on those skates for that hour a week, wondering about how I wasn't going to fall on my ass. And I didn't think once about work or home. And I think that, I think that's the, that was the game changer for me. And, and it was the game changer for many of the burnt out women I used to see in my clinic as well. And um, it's definitely something that we talk about on retreats that if you can find one hour just for joy and you can apply it to something actionable, <laughs> something you want to learn, something you want to experience, something else, uh, it's, it starts to open up a floodgate of um, opportunities to think differently and creativity comes and plays and you start to think, in a really unrestricted way about opportunities that you might want for your business or your life. Yeah. We've totally inspired me because um, I was sitting here hanging my head going, holy fuck, that's me. Um, because, <laughs> um, <laughs> because I have been meaning to find an art class for, to do painting for at least six months maybe even slightly more than six months. So, yeah, thanks for that. Uh, I'll get on to that. Uh, <laughs> no I've mission the... if you choose to accept it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I've said it on the podcast. Someone's actually going to, like, hold me to it because this is what my beautiful listeners and clients do. They actually poke me and go, uh, did you do that thing? Did you? We, have, we haven't seen listening. that painting online yeah. yet. We've been yeah, lo- watching the art stories. <laughs> yeah, so maybe like in a, in a month from now, can someone please just like shoot me a message, any any random person please just send me a message going, did you do that painting class, Jules? Are you booked in? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we'll get it done. Now I have to bloody do it. Because um, it is something I enjoyed doing as a child and my grandmother was a, a really good painter in oils and so I know it's in me. But, yeah, like mm. do, does it go to the top of the pile in terms of things that you think about today? I'm going to get up and I'm going to do that thing. No, because you're thinking about work and bills and, you know, I don't mm. know, everything else. So, yeah, I think that that's, that's always a I love that old one of like what did you like to do as a child? What did you love to do as a, you know, as a what filled you with joy as a kid? Like what's a version mm. of that that you can do now? Yeah, works. totally. And again, it's just so much fun looking for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, yeah. And like when, when you have an adventurous spirit, like you do, like there's so much opportunity there to go and do shit that I don't know. Cause we're like, like we went through college at similar times, but we are also both within a couple of years of each other in age as well. And I think um, neither of us are dedicated to acting older <laughs> in terms of what the world is expecting <laughs> us to act like, um, hence roller derby. Um, so I, yeah, I think it, it's, it's, it's great to remind yourself to, you, it's okay to go and be a big kid as well and go and do something that maybe people don't expect you to do at this age. Absolutely. That's where the best change happens with cognitive dissonance and discombobulation where your yep. brain goes, what? I'm what? I'm, I'm, Fifty and I'm doing this and I'm doing okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just be careful when you fall when you do your roller derby in your forties. I'll find a really good practitioner. Yeah, (laughs) I had my osteopath on speed dial back then. Um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. So my love, look, you've got a new book coming out called Unrestricted. And I know that word's come up a couple of times in our conversation, even because it is such an important part of you know how you live your life Mm. you are an adventurous spirit but what does living an unrestricted life 
look like for you? Mm. Living unrestricted for me means that all the rules, bullshit rules that we're all told by society and everyone else all the way up to question those, whether it's you have to go to college, you have to go to university, you've got to have two kids, you've got to have all that. So, you know, you'll never make money as a practitioner. You're, you know, yeah, one, naturopaths one, one, don't make money. <laughs> one in five businesses fail. You don't want to be that one. Sorry, uh, one in five businesses um, succeed. You don't want to be a part of the other four. You know, there's these rules, these restrictions that people tell you are fact and, and <laughs> they're just not. So where can you find uh, space to explore the opposite? How can you feel? unrestricted in what you do in the choices that you make for your life in the choices that you make for your business and um how can you cultivate a feeling of being unrestricted even when the world says that restrictions are on you know during the pandemic uh we had some of the most amazing unrestricted conversations with my kids we really reconnected we were doing topic jar talks yeah, my, my family's a bunch of coaches. So um, we were doing, you know, TEDx talks in our lounge room. Yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> and um, having really amazing conversations that were truly unrestricted and we wouldn't have been able to have that even though society at that time told us we were restricted. You know, I uh, was trying to get to a speaking gig in Sydney the other day and the traffic jam was literally going nowhere. There was protesters on the bridge and there was all this other stuff. I was going nowhere. And as the clock kept going up to the time of, you know, I was supposed to be speaking on, on you know, Google Maps is telling you when you should expect to be there. I still had the opportunity to sing and dance and, um, and take photos outside, outside and talk to my husband as we were going and looking at, you know, the helicopter's going over the southern pylon of the bridge because it's one of my favourite flights that I've ever done by myself in a helicopter. So I, I had this feeling of being unrestricted even though I was literally in the most restricted ca- kind of situation that I could be in and so much so that I could feel unrestricted on the inside that I got there with two minutes to spare, grabbed the microphone, stood up <laughs> on stage and presented. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. And that's what p- being unrestricted for a living an unrestricted life is about for me. It's not necessarily flying a helicopter, although that's part of it too. There's a reason I don't fly planes because you have to land at an airport and you can't land at your mate's house up on, <laughs> up on the coast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll clear my helipad for you. <laughs> but there is also the unrestricted feeling that you can cultivate and the mindset you can cultivate in any restricted, so-called restricted situation. Yeah. Yeah, love it. And uh, this amazing book of yours, when does it come out? Because it's in pre-sale now, yeah? It is. You can pre, um, buy it on pre-order on anywhere you buy your books online. And uh, the 13th of August, and I can't wait. I'm going to have some parties all around Australia and come and hug everybody. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> How good are hugs again? Oh, so good. Yeah, so human, good. Human to human contact. Oh. Yep. Love it. Love it. Spread those germs. <laughs> no, that, that sounds amazing. I love it. Absolutely love it. And um, look, and congratulations, by the way, like I know uh, writing books is no mean feat. 
and mm. it is your job to make it look easy and I know it's not. So bloody congratulations, seriously. Like every time someone releases a book, it's just, it's, it's a huge achievement. Huge. Thank you very, very much. I will take that because it is. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, my love. If, if people want to connect with you, where is the best place for them to find you? Yeah, TammyGuest.com or Tammy Guest with an S on the end on any of your social media platforms. I know. Just throw the S on the end when you're on social media. Just, just the S must stand for shits and giggles or something. I love that. <laughs> yes. Thank you, beautiful. And th- thank you so much for your dedication to um, our industry and, and the wider communities as well. Like you, you really are a shining light. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening to Straight Talking Natural Health. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, head over to my website at julesgalloway.com. There's a free quiz on there to see if you are at risk of burnout. I also have an amazing ebook called Heal Your Adrenals, which is a must for any woman with adrenal dysfunction, aka adrenal fatigue. When I'm not podcasting, I'm seeing clients all over the world via Zoom. I love working with fatigue, thyroid issues, autoimmunity, pyrrole disorder, mold illness and complex cases to name just a few. So why not book in and let's work together? All of this and more is available right now over at julesgalloway.com. That's all from me for the time being. I look forward to diving in with you again in the next episode. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.